for everything oh, for everything indie for everything cults it's the blue horseshoe now. now here's your host george bremer and ryan hickey and welcome into a victory edition of the blue horseshoe podcast ryan hickey and george bremer here with you and george we have so much to get into from the colts 25 21 over the raiders just as we thought, though, Jeff Saturday making his Colts head coaching debut. And just as we both predicted, if you listen to the Friday pod, we both saw this win coming. We both saw this team playing inspired. And we both definitely saw Jeff Saturday already elevating himself as one of the best coaches in the NFL. What? My goodness gracious. This impossible season to read for the Colts continues, George. 100%. Can we get, do we know anybody who can do like a deep fake video and all those things you just said and we, and we can go in there and <laughs> hey, we call it all away. Like let, let's go with that. All, you know, definitely all in all, all from the start. Um, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, this whole year has been filled with, with shocking, uh, results, none more so than this one, uh, here on, on Sunday, uh, I'm going to own it. You know, I think that's the only thing you can do I, all week long. I said I thought this was was a hill that was too steep to climb for Jeff Saturday, who had never coached at the pro or college level, and for Parks Frazier, who was a 30-year-old first-time play caller. Uh, they made one kind of gutsy, bold decision uh, that I think helped move this in, in the direction that it, that it ultimately went. But, you know, you got to look at it. They, they had a game-winning drive. Parks Frazier now, uh, very first game he's ever called in the fourth quarter, he's calling plays on a game-winning drive. So, uh, you know, hats off to him. Hats off to Jeff Saturday. One of the cliches in this league that I wholeheartedly believe in is that it is very hard to win games in the NFL. And I don't think you should ever downgrade that. We get into more later about the problems the Raiders have, uh, you oh. know, the troubles uh, of other you know factors and, and put this into context. But nobody should be trying to knock this win. It was incredible odds coming in on a Monday and winning on a Sunday. Um, great job by Jeff Saturday. Great job by Parks Frazier. Great job by Matt Ryan. Welcome back, Jonathan Taylor. Big win for the Indianapolis Colts today. So if you couldn't tell, there's a lot of surprise here in this postgame pod as we were talking about the Colts getting their fourth victory of the season, going to 4-5-1. Jeff Saturday, best winning percentage in NFL history. We have so much to dive into. The quarterback changes. You mentioned the one big move Jeff Saturday was making was going back to Matt Ryan as QB1. We'll talk about the offensive line and the run game resurgence all of a sudden now as Jonathan Taylor explodes. His team rushes for over 200 yards and a very impressive effort. Easily their best game of the season, and that's even considering what they did against Jacksonville, not allowing any sacks in 58 uh, pass attempts a few weeks ago. The defense comes up clutch with a big uh, stand late to win this game. So much to dive into, George. Here's again, the, the Raiders, uh, or the Colts, I should say, beat the Raiders 25-20. My question, though, is to this, or to you is this. Are you now looking at NFL job openings? Are you kind of, you know, looking at, you know, the Panthers or in other coach? You're going to start to get, I love how on the pods, I don't want to lose you as a podcast partner, but I mean, Jeff Saturday coming in, going one of them, making it look easy. I think now with your football experience, being on the team every day, you may have to start throwing your resume out there and start seeing who needs a coach in a few weeks. I mean, first of all, I have to make you sure want to coach the Raiders, the Raiders? on the other side of the side. I, I have to make sure they're on the other <laughs> sideline first. I think that's my first call. That's uh, true. What, what we learned today is that, you know, any guy off the street can come in and beat Josh McDaniels. <laughs> that's that's the lesson yes. uh, from Sunday. I gotta Holy take the cow. I gotta take the low hanging fruit. I'm sorry, I gotta take the low hanging fruit. There's there's not many chances here to do that. I gotta grab that. I will say this: well, look, Jeff Saturday didn't have a lot of it. George, take the layups when they're yeah. there. Take the <laughs> make the layups right. Uh, look, Jeff Saturday didn't have a lot of experience. He's still way more experienced than me, and I think that's a big 
big notch there. Uh, I no, I, I'm not going to be going. I as I said last week or earlier this week, I can cash the check. Any owner wants to pay me, <laughs> I can do that. The rest of the job, I I don't feel good. About. I do have a few. Super well, you could be Josh McDaniel, so you can do Madden. two things. There you go. So that's that's, that's enough. True. That's yeah, definitely enough. I, mean, I feel like I'm done. I have <laughs> dynasty there, so you know. Uh, all kinds of record-breaking offenses and, and defenses <laughs> that, that were setting numbers up. So, uh, no, you know, one of the things I think, in all seriousness, one of the things I think Jeff Saturday did this week that was huge and that led to this shocking result on, on Sunday, he came in and he said he went to the leaders like the Forrest Buckner. He went to guys like Zaire Franklin. He obviously went to guys like Matt Ryan. And he said, this is your team. And he empowered them to kind of lead the, the, the way. And I'm not saying Frank Reich didn't do that because I know for a fact he did. But I think the new guy coming in and saying, look, I haven't been here. I don't have all the answers. I'm going to let you guys figure it out because you're the ones that live and die with this ultimately. I think you could see that on the field today. I think the defense took ownership. I think the offensive line took ownership. I think the quarterback took ownership. Uh, you know, Jay Glazer had a report earlier today uh, which is the first time I've heard it anywhere. So to give him credit that Matt Ryan, you know, earlier this week got up and had an impassioned speech in front of this team uh, after Matt, Ry after Frank Wright got fired, you know, and, and, and basically trying to get things back on track. I'm sure that factored into Jeff Saturday's decision to start him today. Uh, and I think you just saw what kind of a leader he is. I think you saw that this defense is legit you know, and, and the Raiders have mm -hmm. a lot of issues. Devontae Adams is a pretty good player over there uh, and is. they didn't hold him in check, but they didn't, they didn't allow him to beat him. And I think that's that's a key today. Um, you know, hats off to Jeff Saturday. Hats off to Parks Frazier. Uh, heck of a job in, in his first. This is the best the offense has played for four quarters all year. As far as balance, as far as across the board, this is the best the offense has played for four quarters. Hats off to Parks Frazier. Hats off to Jonathan Taylor. Hats off to this offensive line. Uh, you know, another NFL cliche was a total team victory. It absolutely was. And you mentioned, you know, the offense, the entire team, the most consistent they've played. The Colts had a halftime lead, George. Like, how about that? Like, I think that was honestly, that's good enough right there. If the Colts blew the game, obviously you're upset, but that's honestly a, a win in and of itself when you're right now 0 of 9 on the season in terms of just being tied or, or uh, leading at halftime. So you get a halftime lead is impressive. Um, and I love the point about the offense too, where you kind of let the guys, uh, you know, kind of run the team. I don't like, when you see the moves made, it sounds like Frank Reich almost had his hands tied um, for a lot of this season, and Jim Irsay is really kind of the one calling the shots, which is why coming out of this game and coming out of Jeff Satter's debut, two things that I think that you can absolutely declare with certainty going forward here are going to be uh, tangible or at least you know consistent moving forward. Number one is that Jeff Satter will be allowed to coach the team. You know, It's not going to be Jim Irsay making the, uh, making the calls and just kind of having uh, Jeff Satter be his puppet. You see that the move to Matt Ryan right away kind of shows you this is Jeff Satter's team. So credit to at least Jim Irsay for making a move that really didn't make much sense, but at least he's going to let Jeff Saturday make his decisions and allow himself to sing or swim. And think we'll see that throughout the rest of the season where Jeff Saturday will make his own decisions, good or bad. It's going to be his decision. And then number two, you talk about the leadership, right? That, that was what was the main message kind of talked about on Monday night from Jim Irsay was we brought him in because he's the, the right leader we want for this team. Those guys played hard. And honestly, I didn't know how the team was going to respond. You talked all week, right? We heard about the disrespect and the out-of-the-box out um, hire and kind of making the Colts look like a circus. It's easy for a lot of those veterans to kind of see it, say, you know what? Screw it. Screw this guy. He wasn't here with us. Like, Jim Mercer is a lunatic. Like, I'm just going to kind of mail it in, cash the check for the last eight games, and then either look forward to next year or get the hell out. To Jeff Saturday's credit, that's not an easy job to do, by the way, to get those guys to play hard. 
when your season's kind of over. I know they're record-wise four, five, and one, not out of the mix by any stretch of imagination, but this team's not very good. Credit to to Jeff Saturday for having this team play hard for a full uh full full four quarters, easy for me to say. And I think it's too, George, kind of on that note. To me, like when you watch this game, the Raiders felt like the team for most of the game that was coached by a guy making his debut, not the Colts. That's a big uh, testament to Jeff Saturday. Yeah, and the Raiders had some dysfunction this week, too. I mean, they had some guys go on IR. Uh, they had a guy retire on them on Thursday, uh, one of their linebackers. That's you know, it, it wasn't all uh, sunshine and, and rainbows out in the desert either, but compared to what was going on in Indy, it was. Uh, and, and I think. You know, the biggest point that you make in there is the fact that it's clear that Jim Mercy is going to let Jeff Saturday coach this team. That wasn't clear the final couple of weeks with, with, with Frank Reich. You know, right. we don't have a lot of clarity on, on who was making those calls and, and, and who wasn't. Uh, but it certainly didn't feel like the head coach was was at the controls. And I think when you see the, the kind of vitriol, the venom that was out there this week from guys like Joe Thomas, guys like Bill Cower. Guys like Tony Dungy, who didn't yeah. say it in quite so strong a terms, but was still the message was the same from him. A lot of that's coming from the fact that, you know, legitimately there are there, there was a lot of disgust within the NFL coaching ranks. I mean, it be, because you had a guy come in uh, with no experience in the middle of a season, uh, they felt like that was a slap in the, in the face to their profession, honestly. And I think so. Jim Irsay, I think going out there and saying at least, hey, look, I believe in this guy uh, and, and I'll show you how much I believe in him. I'm letting him make the calls. If nothing else, that's an olive branch. Uh, to any prospective candidates, because they they have said all along, this is going to be an exhaustive search at the end of the season. It's not just going to be handed over to Jeff Saturday. Uh, you know, they're going to go through the process. They're going to look for the best man. Uh, I, I think you kind of start heading down that road now of starting a little bit of all branch. There's still seven weeks, seven games left, eight weeks left. A lot could go wrong. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the, it, it, the challenge isn't over, but it's a really good start. And I think that's the biggest thing Jim Irsay did today. Uh, the biggest thing Jeff Saturday did today is he's undefeated. So, you know, what better way to to, to, to clamp down and take this job than, than to go out and win games? But, you know, Savon Gilmore made the play at the end of the game uh, to kind of clinch the win. Good pass defense, got in there, hand fought with, with uh, Devontae Adams, denied him any chance to catch that ball. I talked to Gilmore earlier this week, and, and he said this, the one thing they had all week long, through all the chaos, through all the noise, on Sunday, they were going to go on the field, and it was in their hands. And I think that's what you saw. When you talk about Jeff Saturday and how hard they played for him, you saw a group of guys. There's a lot of real professionals in that locker room. I think they came out and said they, they could go two ways. When you were talking about all the dysfunction and the way this team was viewed from the outside, they could buy into that. They could call their agent. They could try to get out of here as soon as possible. Or they could get that chip on their shoulder and say, everybody's counted us out, and we're going to show them. And, hey, it's one game. And there's a long way to go, but for the very first time out, that's exactly what they did. You're 100 right, George. And it's just like it's all—it's a small victory, but nonetheless, it's also still a major mountain, and arguably the biggest mountain for Jeff uh, Jeff Saturday. He had to climb was having these guys believe in him. Like you know, the ringing theme this week from coaches, from from medium, like from everyone that was kind of crushing the Colts again, rightfully so for the most part, for bringing Jeff Saturday in was that he didn't put in the hours. He didn't put in the sweat equity that a lot of coaches put in. You know, they talk about coaching. It's not a job. It's a lifestyle, right? You live and breathe coaching and the team and getting them ready. You put in 18, 20 hours a day to get them ready. Now you have a guy who's living a pretty cushy life, right? You know, you're analyzing games, you're watching, but you're not putting in the 20-hour days like a lot of these coaches are to get everyone ready. So for Jeff Saturday to come in basically on Wednesday, meet the players for the first time, and have them buy in enough 
to where they will not just kind of cash a check and not just kind of check out the rest of the season. It's a major accomplishment so far for Jeff Saturday. We'll see his actual coaching ability, but to his credit, the one thing and, and the biggest reason why he was brought in being his leadership, I think he showed that right away that through the rest of the season, the rest of the seven games, I we'll see what the Colts record is, right? That's, that's obviously tough to predict. Um, but at least right now, I think it's fair to say through the next seven games, you can guarantee this team will play hard and play hard for Jeff Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I think he showed that that he is the leader that that he's you know made out to be. Uh, I think you right. saw that this week. And I think one of the best things he did, aside from going into the locker room and empowering the leaders, was was empathizing. You know, he put himself in their shoes because he's been there. And he said, look, I know you all love Frank Reich. I love Frank Reich. I'm not going to take anything away from Frank Reich. I'm just here now to try to finish this season the best we can. I think the irony of it all is this was a Frank Reich blueprint. This win was 100%. Uh, what they looked like when they were at their best during the Frank Reich era. Uh, the defense made some big plays. The running game went over 200 yards. The quarterback was efficient, uh, made plays when he had to. That was the formula. Uh, and so I think somewhat, too, I mean, a lot of guys this week told us it was probably a little bit undercovered because it, 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 there was just so much information out there, so much stuff going on. It was hard to get to everything. But a lot of guys told us, and, and including Michael Pittman on Friday, they had a lot of love for their former coach. You know, Ryan Kelly talked about all the things that he meant to him off the field through the things that he had to go through last year that no family should ever have to go through. Uh, you know, and, and the other guys just talking about the confidence that, that he gave them. And, and the, today they played for Jeff Saturday, but they also played the way Frank Reich would want them to play. And I don't think that's a coincidence either. And I think it's also not a coincidence either that, you know, this offense is, is working efficiently and it starts with two things, the quarterback making good decisions and the offensive line blocking. You saw both of those, George happen to, Arguably the best level we have seen so far this season. The Colts scores 20, 25 points, which is, you know, again, it's not, you know, it's not a crooked number by any stretch of the imagination, but with this Colts offense, it absolutely is. And the biggest move, a very surprising move, George, is that in one of the first moves Jeff Saturday makes is putting Matt Ryan back as quarterback one. We both believe that, and it's widely believed at this point, not officially, but widely assumed that Jim Irsay is a catalyst to benching Matt Ryan seven games in and putting Tim Ellinger in at the time was supposed to be for the rest of the season that lasted all of two games. Now Matt Ryan was back uh, after, you know, basically again, being so a big surprise where he did return to practice the first time on Thursday. And now we see on Sunday, he's back. It was 21 and 28, 222 yards, one touchdown. And the Colts did not only, you know, get a halftime lead, which you joked about for the first time this season, they also scored every quarter. The offense is moving the ball and they looked consistency wise, like one of their best games we've seen all season long. Yep. No, absolutely. You know, they were running the ball well. Uh, they had good pass protection. Their quarterbacks were making good decisions. And they, as a result, they were over. They were able to overcome, easy for me to say, a couple of, of adversity today. You know, we hadn't seen that a lot this year. They had a turnover uh, and, and the Raiders cast it in for a touchdown. They had a missed field goal. And the Raiders cast that in and took the lead. They kept at it. Uh, Michael Pittman with an outstanding effort to recover his own fumble. I mean, there is no game-winning touchdown uh, if not for that play by sure. by Michael Pittman. Uh, and then we also had that moment where Matt Ryan turned into Lamar Jackson. I'm not really sure what was happening there. I don't think they can count on that a lot going forward. But the that would have been the longest rush this season if Taylor hadn't broke a 66-yarder earlier. Second longest rush of the year, oh, Matt Ryan's God. scramble there. So uh, that was insane too. But you know, the guy I feel really good for, and I, and I know you'll agree because we've talked about him a lot, Paris Campbell getting that game-winning score. Uh, nice run after the catch, getting in the end zone. Um, that guy's been through so much in this league. Uh, for him to get that moment today, re really cool. Really cool to see that. 
You're 100% right. Like I said, he, he's been a favorite target of Matt Ryan. That that chemistry has you know, developed and grown as the games have gone on. He's a leading receiver again in this game, 76 yards. Like you mentioned, that 35-yard touchdown. Give, give them the lead late. You kind of saw finally what everyone's been waiting for for Paris Campbell for years, that catch and the explosion after the run, kind of run away from everyone, pinball at the end there to get in the end zone. It was awesome to see. Now, the tough part I will say about this offense is it looked good. Like, don't get me wrong. It looked good. You, you see why Matt Ryan, you know, Really shouldn't have been We kind of talked about even when it happened. We didn't agree with it in part because it was more the offensive line than anything else. And we actually has protection and time to throw the ball. He's still a pretty good quarterback. The thing, though, it's tough to grade with both Matt Ryan, this offense, and, and Jeff Saturday. I don't know how truly good they are. Because the rate, like, obviously, we're being a Colts podcast. We're going to look at it more from a, a, a Colts perspective. But outside of just Jeff Saturday getting the win, it's like I feel like one of my biggest takeaways is how bad this Raiders team is offensively, they're out of, out of touch, and defensively, especially, they stink. They got no pressure. You allow one sack, which, again, you credit the offensive line. You run for over 200 yards. A big credit to the Colts' offensive line. We can't be picky because we haven't seen this performance like this, you know, a performance like this, where they're both able to run the ball and also protect Matt Ryan well at the same time in the same game. What a concept that is, George. But it's like the, the Raiders give you no reason, at least right now, to truly kind of buy in and think this is a massive turnaround. Because on all three levels, they are just atrocious. But hey, you know what? When you are a team like the Colts and scuffling, when you see a bad team, put them out of their misery. To the Colts' credit, they were able to do that where you look at the Commanders a few weeks ago and you lose that game where they were a bad team. You should have beat them. They couldn't do it. To the Colts' credit, they do what non-bad teams do. We can't call them good, but they do what non-bad teams do. They beat a bad team. Yeah, I'm sure the Raiders were thinking the same thing this whole week. You know, when they come in here, this was a get-right game for them, I'm sure, on defense. You look at that performance the Colts had up in New England last week, and I'm sure they were thinking they could take advantage, uh, and then they could make things go their way. Uh, I think we ended up seeing why they're a 2-7 and seven football team, the problems that they've had, uh, you know, the, the reasons that they can't close out these games. Uh, they didn't blow a 17-point lead today. I guess that's, that's good true. for them. That's, that's, that's a step in the right direction. Uh, but I think also from the Colts, they, they were able to take advantage. It's really one of the few times this year that they took advantage of yes. what was in front of them. What does that mean going forward? I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I think that's been kind of the, the the theme of the year. You know, every every week's its own season. This was a pretty good season for the Colts on Sunday. We'll see what next season brings uh, when the Eagles come to town next week. But uh, one thing I do know, I feel really good for Matt Ryan today. Uh, a lot's made about Sam Ellinger and what a great person he is, and that's absolutely true. Uh, one of those guys that, that I'd love for my daughter to marry. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's that kind of a guy. Uh, Matt Ryan is is every bit the same person. He's been such a good professional through this whole thing. There's a lot of guys who maybe would have become a cancer on this in this locker room or, or would have started some kind of trouble. You know, he was there the very first Wednesday after he got benched. He was there waiting for us at his locker. He talked this Wednesday uh, at the time when no one knew he was going back on the field. Uh, coaching change. I, I just think, you know, he, he did everything the right way, and uh, he deserved this win today. Absolutely. It's it's great for Matt, too, like I said, especially considering, you know, the ups and the downs. He was a true pro the whole time. Like, both him and Sam Ellinger, true pros where they're helping each other out. It's a really tough spot for Matt Ryan to be in mentally when you've been a starter your entire, you know, 14-and-a-half-year career, and now you get benched, you know, with a, with a season where you thought it was going to be, a, you know, at least borderline playoff team, and now this team is, you know, toiling towards the bottom. So it's credit to also Matt Ryan kind of showing you that he never truly checked out. He was professional. This team is really, you know, you can give the Colts a lot of credit for their character. That's something that's always never, you know, that's always, I guess, been uh, one of the best teams about this team the last three, four, or five years has been they've always been a very high-character team. 
Uh, I think that really showed on Sunday for sure that kind of, you know, that was part of the reason that was they were able to kind of allow Jeff Saturday to come in and, again, not turn against them and still play hard and be, like you said, a bad Raiders team for sure. The last thing I'm going to ask you here, George, before we um, – I need to wrap up this open segment here about uh, after the Colts to beat the Raiders. Do you think it's a coincidence or not that the Colts had one of the most consistent games on offense this season? That's a really good question. Uh I don't think it's no, coincidence I would say, because again, I would say it's a coincidence. See, I, I the reason that I kind of lean against it is that I I think that Jeff Saturday did a really good job of of pushing the right buttons this week in terms of making sure that they were pissed off that it wasn't chaos. It was you know, hey, look, if you're feeling like you got your head coach fired, if you're feeling like everybody's out to get you, whatever that is, whatever individual feeling you've got, take that, internalize it and put it on the field on Sunday. So I, I think I think Saturday had a lot to do with it from that end standpoint, but I think the players themselves dug deep. You know, Michael Pittman said straight up, he said, when your head coach gets fired in the middle of the season, you feel like you failed. And the fact that the coach got fired kind of proves that that's what happened. And I think these guys decided, hey, we can keep going down that road or we can go against a defense where the opportunity is there to have a good day and have a good day. That's fair because we kept talking about this entire season where the, the, it almost made no sense because the Colts had a lot of talent that just was playing bad. Like how many times we mentioned the offensive line playing bad, but but for the most part, at least the three guys that you've invested your money in, Quinn Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith, like it's not that they just become bad football players, or at least I, I still feel like there's a lot of good football left in them. They just were not, you know, whether it's being coached right, whether it's just motivation, whether they're in their own heads, whatever it was. I still think there's a lot of talent in there. So if you're if you are right where Jeff Saturday and his motivation and his inspiration, his leadership is able to somehow get all that good football out on the field and replicate what we saw on Sunday. I'll eat my words, but I just, I do think a lot of what we saw on Sunday is a product of a really bad team, a poorly coached team with the Raiders. And kind of one of those good matchups where look at the Raiders. They had Max Crosby who's a really good pass rusher and they signed Chandler Jones, but he's you know more name this year than, than really any sort of production. And outside of that, the linebackers stink, the interior of the line stinks, the secondary is awful. Like it was to the, they did get a nice first start here with Jeff Saturday. And like you mentioned, this Eagles team next week, they get smoked. They probably won't be as bad as they they were, you know, if they lose that game on Sunday, they won't be anything as good as we saw on Sunday today against the Raiders. Somewhere in the middle, but I am interested to see how this kind of offense goes, where if they can kind of, you know, get some consistency, that would be great. Because that was the one thing that's been lacking for this Colts. It's kind of all or nothing. And the one thing they did show on Sunday, again, I think it's more of a product of a bad opponent, but the one thing they did show on Sunday, their credit, to Je- Jeff Satter's credit, they were able to play consistent offensive football, score every quarter. And again, I know they had one turnover. Uh, it's just customary at this point, right? It's just kind of, you know, it's a, a guarantee for the Colts. One sack, again, guarantee for the Colts, at least have one. But they were able to limit the, the amount of turnovers, limit uh, the amount of negative plays in general. And again, put together their most consistent game of football this season. Speaking of which, when we do return in the Blue Horseshoe Pod, one of the biggest surprises or one of the biggest uh, impressions from this game was the offensive line and the run game back to 2021 levels. Break that down when the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return. As always, make sure you're liking, downloading, and subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you get your podcasts. So, George, the Colts win in Jeff Saturday's debut 25 20 over the Raiders. And boy, oh boy, I think for the first time this year, George, there's only one way to celebrate. It's time to show you. Run the damn ball <laughs> is back, George. For most listeners, I guess, or, or most people that are listening can't sing. 
run the damn ball hat, George, is back. That's what the Colts did on Sunday. 207 yards as a team rushing, two rushing touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor looked like 2021. Jonathan Taylor, that 66-yard touchdown. This team, for the first time in, in, in what felt like a year, really, because towards the tail end of this last season, too, it's when the Colts run game really fell off the last two games against the Raiders and, and the Jaguars. This offensive line was getting a push. And, George, they ran for 6.9 yards per carry. Who is this team? Who is this rushing attack? And who is this offensive line that somehow took over the, the five starters' bodies here this weekend in Las Vegas? I'll tell you the incredible thing about that, too, is the one thing the Raiders did well on defense coming in here was stop the run. They were, I think, 4.2 coming in. They were like seventh in the league against the run, uh, average per carry. And the Colts went out there, and it did. It, it looked like 2021. I guess we declared the, the run the damn ball era dead a little too soon uh, after that so. win against Jacksonville. <laughs> uh, you know, it's back. Uh, and, and that's what they need. I mean, that's what they've been waiting all year for, honestly, is a performance like this from that running game. I think probably the most beautiful sight for most Colts fans was Jonathan Taylor in the open field on that 66-yard run. Uh, felt like you hadn't seen that since, I think, Christmas Day uh, when he did it against Arizona in the first quarter. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's been such a long time. Uh, it was their first 200-yard rushing game since December 18th of last year. So that's almost a calendar year, just a month short of that, a month and a week, right, short of that. Um, it, it's incredible to, to see them come alive like that. I go back to what you said, though, at the end of the last segment. The, the question now is, you know, how can you carry this forward? I think you go back to their last win. They, they, they scored 34 on Jacksonville, and they had that no-huddle offense, and you thought maybe they've unlocked something. And the next week it gets shut down and they go on a three game losing streak and this chaos develops, <laughs> uh, you know, so you got it. You got a big challenge as we talked about coming up next week uh, with the Eagles. Let's see, you know, is this run game for real? Because of all the things they did today, that's the most legitimate in my mind, because the Raiders have done well against that part of the game all year long. So the Colts come in here and really run the ball down their throat. That was the most unexpected element of this game today for me. And two, again, it's so tough, especially in, in this specific postgame pod, because Jeff Saturday is so new. And it's like, it's really hard to kind of tell what he's actually, you know, tangibly changing compared to just, you know, again, you know, just the Colts play inspired and you're playing a bad team. So we'll see over the next few weeks, like you said, really, if he's able to actually have his fingerprints on the offense and defense and, and where specifically, if we see any changes or improvements. But the one thing I think we were talking about all week was, if nothing else, right, if Jeff Sack doesn't win a game, which obviously that's not going to happen, he's going to win at least one in his Colts tenure. But if the Colts don't win another game the rest of the season, if if Jeff Saturday, at least in his eight games here in Indy, is able to get the most out of his offensive line, unlock Quentin Nelson, kind of get Ryan Kelly back to his 2021 season and Brady Smith as well. If you were able just to do that and nothing else, I think it's a huge win for the Colts because we've talked about it. They put so much money in this offensive line. This season was ruined by the offensive line or, or really lack thereof because you can't even say they had an offensive line with how bad they've been playing. It's, it's like no one was blocking or pass blocking whatsoever. So that's if that's the one area Jeff Satter is able to improve, nothing else, that's a major win. Now going forward here, whether it's, it's passing or running the ball, assuming the Colts have a young quarterback next year in the draft, you have to have them protected. You cannot have them be like Andrew Luck and just take 4 million hits a game. So if you are able to kind of get an offensive line uh, that's consistent, major, major, major win, George. And at least for Sunday, again, the competition is bad, so I'm holding out um, judgment at least for the next few weeks. 
But so far, so good when it comes to the offensive line and improving and kind of getting back to the old offensive line that the Colts used to have. That was actually good. Oh, and I've been killing the offensive line all year. And so I'm going to stand up today and give them their flowers because they absolutely earned it. Uh, I think Braden Smith in particular, he had a tough matchup over there with Max Crosby. Yes. He had a really good day today. Got hurt, came back in, played through it. Uh, I think he did a really, really good job. I think from what I saw, again, you know, I don't see the all 22 yet, uh, but I, I thought that Bernard Raymond did a pretty good job over on the left side today as well. Uh, the rookie who they I know they're looking for big things for uh, that big run came. I, I thought uh, watching it live between him and, and Quentin Nelson. So, um, you know, a huge step forward for this offensive line in general. Um, and, and they needed it. I, I think it's one of the things that we've been talking about. They were kind of stuck in a, in a circle of, of, of negativity. You know, I, I think it just every, everywhere they turned, uh, they didn't have anything to grasp onto. They, they didn't have that one game they could go back to. And, I go back to 2018 and that turnaround year when the Colts were one and five uh, and, and they played a bad Buffalo team. And it was a very similar to this. They, it, the, the win was like 37 to five, really weird score, uh, but they absolutely blew the bills out. They ran for like 220 yards. And the next week, ironically, they went out to Oakland and beat the Raiders <laughs> and ran for 200 and some yards. I think that was the, one of the days we learned how good Shaq Leonard was at knocking the ball out. He saved that yeah. one uh, by, by force internal, but that started that whole nine and one run. So I'm not saying that's what's happening now, but sometimes this game, you know, that, that doesn't matter uh, against a bad team can turn into something. Um, I do look at the rest of the schedule and I would say outside of the Eagles and the Cowboys, the other six games are, I guess five games at this point remaining to me, are coin flip kind of games. They're winnable games. Not that Dallas and, and Philadelphia aren't winnable. It's the NFL. Uh, but I think those are games that you would mark down as a loss on, on the schedule. The other five, I think the Colts have every every reason uh, to think they've got as good a chance as the other guys. You're not wrong, and that's kind of what's a little maddening about this team. Is just like it's not they're not losing games because of the schedule. They're losing games a lot, you know, because they beat themselves. And they they lost a lot of games up to this point because they couldn't block anyone and establish a run. And, Look, I think we're – I would like to say we're pretty fair podcast, George. I mean, we don't really have grudges or we don't kind of either praise players or coaches that don't deserve it or vice versa, you know, you know, uh, criticize players, coaches that maybe, you know, being overly critical. But the offensive line deserved every piece of criticism their way. And to their credit today, they deserve a lot of the praise. And the thing that I like to see the, the most, George, and again, when you talk about a turnaround for the season, it's not get too crazy. But to your point, like it's a very winnable schedule down the stretch. And if a turnaround is going to happen – it's going to start in the trenches with those five guys having a similar performance like that on Sunday. And the encouraging part is, is that when we talk about the Jacksonville game, right up till today, that Jacksonville Jaguars game week six was, was the best game the offensive line has played because they, they threw the ball 58 times and did not surrender a sack to Matt Ryan. But when you look at how they ran the ball, like they were able to pass block well, they couldn't run the ball well. In that game against the Jaguars, 45 yards, they averaged 2.8 yards per carry. So again, they, to their credit, they pass blocked really well but they couldn't run the ball to save their life. This is the first game where Matt Ryan was upright, one sack allowed, and it came late you know, in the, in the second half, so he was clean for most of the game. And you ran the ball for over 200 yards. So you're able to do both really, really well at the same time, something they have not done at all this season. We talk about the Colts playing complimentary, uh, complimentary football where the offense plays good, the defense you know, plays good at the same time. We have not seen that this season. We've not seen it from the offensive line being able to pass block and run block. And to their credit, today was the first time, or Sunday was able to the first time, they actually were able to do both phases really well, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. 100%. I, and I think the biggest thing 
expected from this game for me. Jonathan Taylor's healthy. You didn't know that most yeah. of the year. You weren't quite sure. Is that burst there? Is, is he the same guy? You watch that 66-yard run. Jonathan Taylor's healthy, and that's a big step, too. If this line can give him a seam uh, and, and he's got his burst back, it's a totally different offense. Now, again, not going to take too much out of one week uh, because we've seen it again and again this year. Every week's its own season, and next week could be a completely different look than than this week. Uh, but this is what it was supposed to look like. What they did today with the defense making big plays to get a stop down the end, the offense consistently moving the football, running the ball, getting plays in the passing game when they needed it, that was the blueprint you know, back in August that they thought they were going to follow. Now the question is, how many times will we see it over the last seven weeks of the season? Right, and that's obviously consistency for this Colts has been by far the biggest issue all season long. And you hope, like, again, that starts with the offensive line playing better football, and they'll get a, a great test next Sunday when the Eagles do come to town for sure. But also, too, it's interesting because you had this offensive line playing really well and another offensive line change. Now, not that Ryman hasn't played left tackle, but it's been in and out, and Dennis Kelly's been the one starting most, you know, at least in the recent uh, few games at left tackle. You had Bernard Ryman uh, now being the starter at left tackle, and you had Will Fries replace Matt Pryor at right guard. And to Will's credit, he's gotten a few opportunities. It's kind of up and down, but he looked pretty solid, looked pretty well. Uh, so far for the Colts. And you might like to, George, a few times, sprinkle throughout the game. I like how they brought in Danny Pena for a six offensive lineman. Like it's yeah. probably should have done a lot earlier this season with how bad they've been struggling, but it's nice to see a little creativity from a former offensive lineman to kind of, you know, get the Colts in some favorable looks. Pena did that some early in the year, uh, but I think that it was kind of when they started mixing stuff up, not early in the year, early after he came out, uh, after he first stopped being the right guard. But they've, they've had some different guys coming in there, and I think it's been tough. Uh, to, to find that guy throughout the year. But I think now that he's kind of settled in as the sixth offensive lineman, it's, it's easier to do it. Uh, and I think it's definitely something that could help moving forward. I mean, we'll see what goes, uh, where that goes. I thought Jordan Wilkins came in and ran the ball well a couple times to to give Jonathan Taylor a little bit of a breather. And, hey, Zach Moss got his first career <laughs> carry as an Indianapolis Colts. So, um, you know, I think those are that's something that's going to be important moving forward too, though. I mean, we, we talk about Taylor being back and looking like himself, and he's obviously going to be the workhorse. If This offense obviously is going to go as far as he can carry it. Uh, but I think when you have a guy like Jordan Wilkins, now that Naheem Hines is in Buffalo – uh, you've got a guy like Jordan Wilkins who can come in and give him that breather. Does he get that 66-yard run as late in the game as he did if Jordan Wilkins doesn't take a couple you know, snaps off of his back earlier? I, I don't know. I just think it's something that's, that's a little more important, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes moving forward as well. And it's funny. We talked about you know when Sam Enger was a quarterback for, for two games, kind of design runs and kind of having a quarterback that's mobile. I mean, we haven't mentioned the, the best run of the day, George. Forget Jonathan Taylor's 66-yard run. Oh, well, Matty Ice. Turn about the can we even say turn about the clock? It's like he used to run before. He, no. he did something we'd never see before. A 39-yard run. And my favorite part, I'm with you, George, is when he could have easily ran out of bounds. It'd be about, I think, probably that point, 25-yard run. Cuts it inside, but everyone thinks he's gonna run out for an extra 10, 15 yards. Uh, that, that, that rest made the last few weeks kind of got his legs energized, and boy, he looked fleet of foot. That was an Andrew Luck move. That that cut back in. I mean, I'm was... doing that all the time. <laughs> uh I don't know. He was he was turning a Lamar Jackson for one play there, but um, more zone reads now. I think that's the that's the answer, right? Clearly, that's the answer. You know, more <laughs> more more called quarterback runs here. He's going to be the next Justin Fields. We had he a rushing only, touchdown too. He, he was only like 101 yards short of Fields today. Give him a couple more carries. <laughs> he's got a shot. Who knows? Um, no, I mean it, it, that's the kind of thing though that you talk about wanting Ellinger in there because he can hurt a guy. You know, hurt a defense with his legs. Matt Ryan says, hey, I, I can do that from time to time, too, if they're going to give it to me like that. So um, 
I don't know. It's just one of those days where everything was firing. All cylinders were firing for the offense. And again, to me, the most notable thing is they were able to overcome some things. And I think it goes back to the fact that the offensive line was playing like it it was expected to play. It was being the Colts offensive line everybody thought it would be today. And so the missed field goal didn't kill you. And the lost fumble didn't kill you. Um, I, that's going to be one of the keys of consistency moving forward is, is can this line continue to block this way? And can Jonathan Taylor get hot? We've seen him have some crazy stretches in his career. If this is a start of one of his, you know, 1000 yards over a six or seven game span, that'd be a good thing for this football team. Absolutely. For sure. And Jonathan Taylor could run the ball. Matt Ryan looked good running the ball. Look, one guy who looked good running the ball, it's not going to go down in the stat sheet, but I think maybe, maybe impress some eyes. Quinn Nelson, George, I get you had to blow the plastic complete, but that when he picks up the ball and starts running, I think we got a stiff arm in there, a little shake. He lowers his, his head and his, and his getting his pad level to run over another. I think it was better to outrun defensive lineman. That's a guy, George. I mean, by the goal line, if you can't get Matt Ryan in there, or, or maybe the Colts are struggling to pound it in, we got to start looking at Quentin Nelson. Forget a left guard, put him at fullback. Let's get this guy some 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 run here. He almost had one career touch. I remember the cake stand celebration, but the the, the play Best. got called back. Best celebration we've seen. I thought that was a heady play by him, though, too, because obviously the whole thing got blown, blown dead and it's an incomplete pass. But if he just falls on that, it's a safety. Mm-hmm. And at that point, that's a pretty damaging thing. The Raiders got a little momentum and they're going to come back here and, you know, who knows how things go. He understood. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to at least get it out of the end zone. They're not going to score on this play. Um, that's a big, big, smart play by him. It doesn't count, like you said, but uh, I'm still, look, my big guy, Kerry, I'm still waiting for, <laughs> for Grover Stewart. I'm going to start tweeting out the head That's coaches true. on Twitter. I'm going to start tweeting at Jeff Saturday. See if we can get <laughs> a Grover Stewart touchdown here. Come on, man. Big man TD. There, Yeah, honestly. Have a big Q and Grover Stewart in the back at the same time. Yes. A little like wing T formation and I formation. Like I said, both I think are, are deserving. It. And Quinn Nelson looked fleet of foot. He, he looked like yep. he, I don't know if it's in practice man they're doing it, but he did not look uncomfortable with the football in his hand. <laughs> That, that stiff arm was legit. Holy I mean, he put that stiff arm out there. He did the Heisman pose on that, that play. Was, there. So <laughs> nice to have impressive. a game where you can have fun like this afterwards, though. All year that's long, true. Really have not had that chance. Anytime we've been laughing on this pod, George, it's mostly laughing to to prevent the tears from flowing after some of these bad performances and ugly losses. That's for sure. Let's finish up at least with this, George, because you mentioned the adversity part, and that's again something that. We've seen at times for the Colts because they put themselves in unadvantageous situations all season long. I would am interested to see going forward here, and I think we'll really kind of tell what uh, Jeff Saturday's leadership abilities going forward here is. I wonder how much of Sunday was, hey, new coach, fresh life. You kind of mentioned like the, the players feeling responsibility for Frank Wright getting fired. I'm not saying Frank Wright is a bad coach, but I think they're, the Colts last few weeks felt lifeless in part because it kind of just felt like one of those inevitabilities of, look, the offense not working. We have a quarterback who, who no one believes in in Sam Mellinger. The offensive line can't block. We can't really call anything. The head coach doesn't trust the quarterback. And you kind of get easily sucked into the negativity, and you play lifeless. The Colts had a lot of life today, in part as Matt Ryan's return. In part, you know, you had some early success offensively for the first time this season. And I think when you have a new voice, fair or not, it just automatically injects some life. I'm very fascinated to see going forward here if this is actually sustainable. Because you got you see a lot of teams always get that, you know, that mini jump when you have an in-season firing, it's going to be a, a real testament to Jeff Saturday if he can kind of keep that going in the next seven games. But it was evident early on that this team was able to overcome adversity in part because that constant negative cloud, it felt like it disappeared at least for one Sunday in Las Vegas. 
Yep. Uh, you know, if nothing else, it worked for one week. We'll see how it goes moving forward. I hope the TV's ready. I, I hope the TV people are ready here. I mean, you've got an unbeaten Eagles team and an undefeated head coach on the other side. This is a big matchup. It's like Brady versus Manning back in the days. This, the is, this is a huge game coming up next week. Titans. Undefeated versus undefeated. Oh, this is going to be – this better be flexed to, like, the game of the week next week. You know, the Colts have been now probably going to be taking off some big primetime games, but you better put this one in the primetime. Colts-Eagles is going to be a must-watch for sure. When we return here, kind of wrap up the Blue Horseshoe postgame pies. Colts win 25-20. How about the defense, Georgia? We talked a lot about the offense and Jeff Saturday, right foot circle. Those are the two big storylines in this game. But the defense did their job, and when they were relied on, absolutely came through in the clutch to win the game for the Colts. We'll give the Colts defense their props in the Gus Bradley revenge game when the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Ryan Hickey, George Bremer here with you. Make sure you are downloading, liking, and subscribing because I have a feeling, George, these next seven games, there's going to be a lot of talk about here, good or bad, as uh, Jeff Saturday does go to 1-0 and in his career as head coach. And a large part of the reason on Sunday against the Raiders, George, uh, reason for that victory was this Colts defense Played really well for the most part outside of Devontae Adams, just, just torturing him. And in the Gus Bradley revenge game, they do come up with, with the, uh, not a goal line stamp per se, but an end zone stab to win the game. You mentioned this is a Grover Stewart stand podcast, so I'll let you take it away and give him his proper flowers. Now, first of all, I wanted to lead with this. I just want everyone to know, like, I, I want to forget the quarterback change, forget the win. <laughs> Grover Stewart tackled the quarterback and an offensive lineman at the same time. I don't remember that happening before. Matt Ryan can't do that. I know that. I think he, he will be the first to say it. Uh, no, I, this guy is something else. Um, you know, his, his ability to, to, to get into the backfield, wreak havoc. And I think the best part of it is he's one of the most good-natured guys on the team. He's always laughing no matter, no matter when you see him. Uh, he, he makes chicken wings in his kitchen sink, and, and apparently they're the greatest wings uh, known to man. I don't know if there's anything Grover Stewart can't do. I haven't seen it yet, uh, but that play to me was insane. I think it helped set sure. the tone for the day. I mean, when I've seen guys push the lineman back into the quarterback before. He literally just said, forget this. I'm just going to tackle <laughs> both of you, and it should have counted as two sacks. I, I think that you know they've got to – you can lobby the official score sometimes. Get that second sack in there for, for, for Grover Stewart. It's the first double sack – on a play in NFL history. I, I'm with you. We start making a Grover Stewart specific stat here because that was, that was one of the most impressive plays of the game. Uh, and that's considering, you know, we saw a nice 66-yard run from Jonathan Taylor too. That just goes to show you. It's, it's every week with Grover Stewart. And I'm glad at least that you were not getting used to it. You know, because it's sometimes easy mm -hmm. to kind of get numb to greatness. But to Grover, Grover's credit, he's making it hard to do that each week with another impressive play, another impressive push, another impressive just, just owning of another offensive lineman he continues to be one of the bright spots and consistent players for this Colts all season long. It's great to see, but, oh, you know, I you tweeted during the game, George. I thought you were spot on. This game had a commander's feel to it at times where Colts offense has done, you know, some good things enough to get him into a lead in the fourth quarter, and you're lying on your defense. I believe it was a nine-point lead in the fourth quarter against the commanders that they could not hold um, in their eventual loss. And this time you have the Colts, you know, Paris Campbell scores late. You're relying on your defense to get a stop. The Raiders starting to move the ball. Devonta Adams is like, Hercules carrying four guys at one point to the first down. And he's a human cheat code. That he was is. unreal. And with his ability to get open, with his ability just to, as a frail, I mean, I don't say, okay, it's unfair to call someone frail as an NFL player, but he's, he's more of a string bean, we'll say. And he still, he powered his way to get that first down for sure. And again, outside of him, right? He He's one of those unstoppable players you knew, Derek Carr, especially when you had 
Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro on IR, that that was going to be a guy who's going to be targeted uh, early and often. And it's crazy to say for a guy, George, that, let's see, finished with nine catches for 126 yards and a touchdown. The Colts did a relatively, relatively good job. But I thought they did, a, honestly, a relatively good job considering this is one of the best offensive weapons in the game considering he's going to get, you know, he had 14 targets. He's going to get the ball a ton. And the Colts, again, for the most part, they did a pretty good job of making sure that he was, you know, double covered as much as possible and limiting him and not allowing him to beat them. And especially late, you saw Derek Carr targeting uh, Adams late and the Colts would make enough plays to win the game. Well, they put Stephon Gilmore on him late. I think that was one of the big moves. They changed there. the game. Uh, you know, that, that absolutely had to happen. Uh, but, you know, the thing is they kept him from winning the game. Like you said, that, there's been times you can go back through the years. There have been times where Rob Gronkowski or Julio Jones or somebody's beaten his team pretty much by himself. Uh, they didn't let Devontae Adams do that today, and it felt like a day he wanted to. You know, he was he was really trying to make that happen, uh, and the Colts didn't let it happen. I, while we're talking about, you know, the defense in, in, in the plays, Bobby Okereke on third down before the last – play uh you know before Stephon Gilmore got the the pass breakup or I guess pass denial there's not a stat for that but just made sure that Devontae Adams had no chance to catch that last pass the third down Okereke gets in there knocks what was an absolute touchdown pass away I believe it was Foster Moreau uh yes. who, who he was on that's that's an amazing play by by Bobby Okereke that ball uh he got beat on the play the ball was exactly where it needed to be it's in the tight end's hands, and he just slapped it away. That's a game-winning play by Bobby O'Karake. And I don't want to get too covered in the moment, but like the, the crazy part about that play, too, is like you saw no panic. Like you said, he was beat, and the ball was a great throw by Derek Carr, but it's almost like whether it was coaching or just instincts, he knew, all right, I'm beat. So you see most guys, most offenders, when they're beat, kind of put their hand like up to try to like deflect it before it gets to re receiver's hands. He kind of waited, you know, I'm not going to hit it, so I'm just going to wait for it. And then it was this, I thought, the smoothest, kind of almost cool, it's just, Back down, like right there, like, oh, you're, you're just going to, you know, you just wait for him and then, boom, kind of take away any thought and any joy that potentially could have uh, given Raiders fans. That was smooth, and you saw no panic there from O'Karake, and that, like I said, could have been a game-deciding play. I was looking at the, I was looking for the Dikembe Mutombo finger shake after that one, because <laughs> that that's what it was. Cool. It was a straight-up, straight-up swat, badass. you know, NBA-style, you know back in your face kind of thing. The other guy who had a huge game, uh, Isaiah Rogers Sr. needs to be on mm -hmm. this list. He had a really good day. He got beat a couple times with Devontae Adams, but that just makes him human. Um, but the the other guy I think was huge was, was Zaire Franklin. I mean, he was flying all over the field. He came off the field for a little while. I think they were checking for a concussion. Uh, looked like he took a really big blow from the fullback uh, on a play in the second half there, but he came right back in there. He was everywhere. He's been that way all year. But particularly, there was one play, I want to say early in the second half, where they kind of ran a screen play. The defense almost got to the quarterback. It's basically Zaire Franklin in the open field. If Jacobs makes a miss, he's maybe going to the house, and he just shut him down. It was a loss on the play. And, and, and you look at that, I think a lot of times Franklin kind of gets put into this box as kind of an old-time you know, telephone booth kind of linebacker, stop the run. But if you get him in space, you, you kind of have him where you want him. I think he's proven again and again this year. He can make. He's a modern NFL linebacker. He can make the plays. Uh, a great season, and I think one of the highlights of him for this year today out there. Great job by Zaire Franklin. And look, it's also tough because you're never going to replace Shaq Leonard. What he brings, just the intangible wise, the leadership, the fire that he brings on the field, and obviously his ability to take the ball away at any any moment is a game changing. You know, very few players have that uh, in the NFL. But it has made at least the loss of Shaq, which has basically been for you know 95% of the season, it's made it a little easier to stomach. Like this is still a really, 
really good Colts defense, and they're missing one of the best defensive players in the game. And like you mentioned, Zion Frank has been a big reason why this year, along with Okereke, both of them, have been a huge reason why. Like, you have not – you the Colts have not felt Shaq Leonard's absence as probably as much as they should. And it's a credit to them for filling in – again, you're never going to fill in, you know – to his level or greater, but they've done a great job of closing the gap and making his uh, absence not feel again as, as key as it should really be. And the, the other guy, you know, who had a huge game and left, Quiddy Pay. I mean, we keep talking about them playing mm-hmm. without guys. Quiddy Pay was having a huge game again, big impact off the edge in, in the pass game, but he's also a huge part of the run defense. He comes out. Um, and I think that was, you know, the defense was able to survive that. They were able to find a way to, to do enough to make the plays. Uh, also, should mention the guy who plays next to Grover Stewart. He's pretty good, too. Uh, DeForest Buckner has been on some kind of run. I don't know if it's four sacks in five weeks. It might be five straight weeks with the sack. Uh, but as much as, as Grover Stewart deserves all the love and, and his position doesn't normally get it, I think DeForest Buckner's having an all-pro kind of year. It'll be interesting to see how the voting goes. Uh, but there's not a week that goes by that much like Grover, he doesn't blow up at least one drive single-handedly. He's been incredible. And again, everyone, you start to look like the, the team is starting to get more consistent. They're starting to get more of a you know consistent pass rush. And secondary, like you said, it's been very steady, Eddie. There's one screenshot that is that is just so funny, if you can find it on Twitter. The one player, Derek Carr, threw it where there's literally four Colts in the area, Devonta Adams. You can see it was just, I've never seen a quarterback attempt a pass like that before, but... It just goes to show, like, this Colts defense, they, they kind of knew. You know, they're out of football. They know who, who the guy is that they're going to target. And, look, to, to Gus Bradley's credit, it was a slow start, right? We were kind of crushing them after that uh, week one effort against Houston where they only scored 20 points, but it felt like Houston kind of down the game. And then in week two, you just get owned by Jacksonville. They really turned around outside of really one half against the Titans that first half in the week four game. They just were just completely blown out of the water. They've done a, a really good job at, you know, clamping down and not allowing big plays, and just consistently getting stops week in and week out. I think one of the keys, you know, I, I'm on record as saying whoever the next head coach is needs to go up to South Bend and hand over a blank check to Harry Heasey and bring him here to be the offensive line coach. I'm sticking to that. I think the number two thing might be retaining Gus Bradley, keeping him I'm here as you. a defensive coordinator. Um, you know, the job that he's done this year has been a playoff caliber job. I think they this, this defense proves again and again, week after week, that, that you know they are that defense now. They got a big test ahead of them next week, too, with Jalen Hurts and that Eagles offense. Uh, and A.J. Brown's going to probably have a lot of the same cheat code qualities that Devontae Adams has. But uh, this defense, week in and week out, uh, like you said, the first couple of weeks, it took them a little while to, to kind of get their feet. But to do all this without Shaq Leonard, too, um, you, you notice that most in the takeaways, that's where he, where you can tell he's missing. Uh, it's still the one thing this defense probably would like to do a little bit better. But they're just they're not giving up points, and that's the number one job you have. 100 percent They've been doing a great job and, and been very consistent all season long and helped lead to a 25-20 Colts win over the Raiders. Last thing here, George, is we 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 talked about the top, but I feel like we can't finish this podcast without getting one more dig at Josh McDaniels. <laughs> I think another thing that was clear, uh, if we want to take a third takeaway from this game, is that the Colts dodge a bullet big time and, and Josh McDaniels backing out five years ago because this guy. Look, you can have talent. He has talent in Vegas. I know they've been banged up a little bit this year, and offensively they've not had you know all their weapons out there at the same time for the most part. But you look at whether it was the beginning of the game or at the first quarter, again, you couldn't tell which team is being coached by a first-time head coach because the Raiders are just that dysfunctional. They lose a game. The offense can't adjust in the second half whatsoever. This is, I think it's fair to say, five years later. I know there are a lot of Colts fans that were happy to see Frank Reich leave and 
you know, maybe want him even, you know, out earlier than, than uh, when he was fired uh, on Monday. But one thing is clear, the Colts got very, very, very lucky that Josh Rutano said no and Frank Reich was there because, boy, oh, boy, this guy is terrible. He's awful. There's no question about it. They dodged the bullet. Uh, and some guys are just meant to be coordinators. You see that, you know, across the league. Some guys get that head job, and you can just tell uh, that's that's not where their best role is. And I and I think Josh McDaniels, uh, if you didn't know it after his role in Denver, it's certainly looking that way in Vegas. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, it'll be nice to see another city deal with sort of chaos and and the whirlwind that happens uh, when you have all kinds of craziness going around your head coach. Uh, this week, it'll be nice for me to sit back, hopefully enjoy a Monday without any breaking <laughs> news. Uh, that would be fun to do. So you, I'm trying to think. So we've had Matt Ryan benched, Marcus Brady fired, Frank Reich fired. I think you're right. Knock, I'm not going to win here, George, for you. But this is going to be the first Monday in almost a month where it, it should, because again, you never know with this team, it should be pretty quiet on the home front. I've learned anything this year to take nothing <laughs> for granted. True. But, uh, I mean, this was a pretty big win, uh, and I think the Colts have the right to celebrate this for a day, the 24-hour rule, and get ready for what's going to be uh, a big matchup with what I would assume will be uh, slightly irritated Nick Sirianni on next Sunday when they come in to for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's true. And assuming they beat the Commanders on Monday, this should be a clash of undefeateds, if you will. The 9-0 Eagles taking on the 1-0 Jeff Saturday. Like Colts, they do beat the Raiders 25-20 to in Jeff Saturday's debut, making it look easy that, hey, anyone can be a head coach in the NFL. Even if you just come off the street that week and do it, you can absolutely get a win. Or maybe at least anyone can beat the Raiders. Maybe we'll just we'll leave it at that for, for right now and kind of let Jeff Saturday's second game kind of maybe show you how hard it is to win in the NFL. So that'll do it. This post-game edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Make sure you are downloading and subscribing to Pod wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you're always up to date on all things Colts. To stay up to date when we're not on the air, kind of talking about whatever's going on in Colts. Make sure you're following George on Twitter at GM Bremer. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Ryan underscore Hickey, the number three. We're constantly giving you thoughts on the Colts going on and kind of the news leading up to the pod and leading up to each game day. So bask in what is a very surprising Colts win as Jeff Saturday is officially the wingest coach uh, percentage-wise in NFL history. So that, that is nice to see for sure. So we will be back on Wednesday morning with a, a midweek pod to still kind of wrap up what has been a, a very great debut, assuming we don't have an emergency pod on Monday like we've had the past few weeks, which, again, like you, you're right, George. Nothing in, in nothing would surprise you, but George is crossing his fingers that this is a calm and quiet Monday for the first time in, in basically a month. So have a great start to your week, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.